get to know yourself and get to know what you want. And, and it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what others say, but you are your own driver. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process, instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the My Career Story podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Trust in the process, Steve. The most common piece of advice that I probably heard in the last two years since quitting my job with no plan other than to make some much needed time for myself. Now, sitting here in my bedroom in London, having just finished a Zoom quiz that I prepared for my parents and their friends to celebrate their 39th wedding anniversary in lockdown, and having spent my 37th birthday in lockdown less than two weeks ago, I've been taking a lot of time for myself, which is something that has been forced upon all of us. And regardless how each of us has chosen to use that time, um, I think we're all having to trust in, and whether we agree with the strategies that have been used to get us through it or not, um, in the process. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the last month thinking about how to deal with the here and now, and most of the strengths that I've found has come from the journey that I've been on since 2018. And in many ways, without gloating, um, it's prepared me for today. The journey's already helped me to take a step back and to look at my life, to assess what was working and what hasn't, um, or wasn't. something that I know many of you that are listening might be working your way through right now, learning to trust more, to plan and prepare for a future that none of us can really see. And it's hard, and it's messy, and it's an emotional rollercoaster. But we're doing it together, and if there's anything that I've learned so far, it's that when I hear from other people that have had similar experiences to me, it really does help to calm my mind. Um, it stops me from spiralling, and it focuses me focuses me back on what matters. Which brings me to this week's guest, Hilda Maria Valdespino, who I first connected with via LinkedIn after she'd heard Catherine Jennett's story just two months ago. Now, Hilda's got a great sense of humour, as you're about to hear, um, and she's also been described as being an authentic, inspiring professional who has a special way of connecting with people. These are just some of the gifts that she brings to her coaching, speaking engagements and training programmes. Through laughter and genuine connection, she helps people to live focused lives around their priorities. She founded Inspired Learning with the sole mission of inspiring others to unlock their potential. She shares the tools she herself used throughout her journey to find her soul and design her best life. She's starting a movement to raise people's consciousness to the inspiring moments in their everyday lives. 
and the movement's goal is to track one million people's inspirational moments by the time she is 100 years old. Hilda has been published in several online magazines. Um, if you're in transition, if you need any inspirational speaker, or if you're looking for engaging training programmes, look no further than Hilda Valdezbino's Inspired Learning Programmes. Um, I had the pleasure of speaking to Hilda earlier in the week, and I'm really looking forward to sharing this one with you. So enjoy. Hello, Hilda. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. It's nice to finally see your face on the camera. For those listening, we're doing this on video as well today. So, yeah. How's things going down? It's going okay. It's going good across the pond here in... Uh, the US. <laughs> so we're going to just go straight into this because I know you've listened to a lot of the episodes and everything already so you know the, the drill with this. So what is your career story? Well I'll start off by saying that my first job was for the mob in New York City. Okay. So here's the story. I got a job. My mom wanted me to get a job and I was 16 years old and um, I got a job with an ice cream store. Okay. And I was an ice cream server and all that good stuff. And I would be paid in cash. And my grandmother would always say to me, you know, I don't like the idea that they pay you in cash. And I was like, oh, Mina, it's great. You know, it's, I don't have a bank account. I don't want to have to go to the bank to get my cash, check cash. And lo and behold, um, about a month into my job, I went and the store was completely gone. It was like it had never existed. And apparently they were um, laundering money through the <laughs> store. And uh, so the ca my cash was probably <laughs> So that was my first work experience. Um, and I'll, I'll catapult from there into my first job out of college. Okay. So my first job out of college, I was a communication arts major with a specialty in journalism. Mm -hmm. And it was with Simon & Schuster Publishing Company. So a big outfit. And I was in their production department. I'm not a real bookie. You know, like I don't read a lot of books. Um, I've actually now started um, I probably in my 40s started reading a lot more than I ever did before. But at that age, I wasn't really um, that big of a reader, but it was a big company. It was very stable. And so I took that job. And between that job and the following seven years, I had probably seven or eight jobs. Uh, my family, it was the joke. Every time we'd get together, they'd be like, oh, where are you working now? What are you doing? I was, I had gotten a job at, in an airline. Um, uh, I got a job in the travel industry with a, um, an international uh, travel company that was a non-for-profit. I was a teacher. I taught fourth grade. Um, and I was an administrative assistant to a big um, national company here in, in the States. And when I was the administrator, so the last job before I launched into what I'll call my career, um, I was in, in, as the administrative assistant for the general manager of this company. And I saw an ad in the paper for um, the executive director of a national nonprofit. And they were looking for someone with fundraising experience, management experience, and volunteer recruitment and management experience. And I had none of the above. But I had um, a connection to the mission of 
the organization. And so I applied for the job. They called me in for the interview and they had me take a test. They, They did all hiring through a personality profile that they would ask you to to take. And so if the personality profile indicated that you would be good, that you had the qualities you needed for the position, whether you had the experience or not, they would hire you. And so that's been when I started my coaching business, I always said to my, my clients, I would say, don't, um, don't, you know, discount yourself from a job. You just have no idea what businesses hiring practices are or their philosophy. And you never know, it might be a great fit. So anyway, when I got this job, I was blown out of the water. I thought, oh my gosh, I have none of the experience there. I had none, absolutely none of those experiences and what i came to find out is that the qualities you needed to be successful as an executive director for this position i possessed and so that's why they hired me and within a year of having this position my unit was the fundraising unit in the state so i blew all the records out of the water it was just i resurrected this unit that was slow having like a very slow death (laughs) and so it was super exciting for me to have this experience and be in this position and in year two i had um a situation that was really what i call a moment of truth for me and that is that the state the the person running the organization from the state's perspective who oversaw all these different units um, came to me and told me that I couldn't work on the programmatic side of things like I was working and that I needed to work more from um, on the fundraising side only. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to my board of directors. I let them know that they wanted to have a conversation with this particular director, um, executive. And so she came to our board meeting. But before she came to the board meeting, she went out with me for coffee. And she said, you know, I think you must have misunderstood what I said, you know, because of course you can continue to work in programs. And so she walks into this board meeting and that's exactly what she says to them. Um, and at that point, I thought, you know, the, I don't, I, I can't work in an organization like this that really is not honest. Because mm-hmm. I knew what she had told me. Yeah. And when I shared it with my board, they were really very upset about it. I said this to her, and then all of a sudden, it was me that had misunderstood her. Mm-hmm. So that really left a very honesty for me and authenticity are like number one on top of the list. And so I decided that was just not a good fit for me. I didn't want to work in that, in that type of environment. And so I left there, but loved the idea of working for a nonprofit, loved the idea of working um, in, in, a, in a role that really served the community. So I got a job with a local nonprofit where I felt, you know, they had to really deliver to the community what they were promising. Because as a local nonprofit, if you don't, the community just won't embrace you. Where if you're a national nonprofit, you kind of have your name to go along with it, name recognition, people will support you, sight unseen kind of, where a local one. 
And that experience was really um, very positive and I really enjoyed it. And I left that one um, to move five years later. So now I made my five-year mark, which I was, no, actually it was three-year mark there. So I went to work for another skilled nursing facility. So now I was in healthcare. Now I was still in healthcare with the national nonprofit because they were a healthcare organization. But um, now I felt like I was really, it was a brick and mortar Mm-hmm. Uh, skilled nursing facility, and it was um, part of a much larger organization that served the whole um, range of services to the elderly. And so they had home care, skilled nursing, acute care, and um, hospice services. So, and it was focused around the elderly. I really felt connected there. And while I was working in this skilled nursing facility arm of this larger organization, I really started getting involved with um, increasing our patient satisfaction surveys. And so I started doing, I went to some, for some training on how to really increase your patient satisfaction surveys. And from there, I started providing training programs for the staff on how to really better connect and engage with, the, with our patients and our residents. And that really helped our patient satisfaction surveys. Mm-hmm. And it got the attention of the president of the entire organization. So they created a learning center, which they made me um, the director of employee development and service excellence. I'll never forget that title because it was super long and no one had any idea what it meant, <laughs> which is another another really good lesson. It's like your title, sometimes it doesn't make sense or it makes sense to you and the internal organization, but the outside world is like, so what does that mean? Um, so I got this position. I was making really good money. I was like on top of my career path, if you want to say it. I was being... Um, recognized as a professional trainer. I loved what I was doing. I reached my five-year mark in the skilled nursing facility, almost my 10-year mark in this with this organization. And I was just loving it. And a new CEO and a new director of human resources came into the organization because the other two that had created this learning model mm-hmm. now retired. And the new, the new CEO pretty much um, wanted to disband the whole learning center. Okay. Never had liked it. Um, he had been in the organization um, when this was created. And he had, you know, in his own words, indicated to me that he didn't think this was a very effective mm. learning model. And the, the staff seemed to enjoy it. Really, we're getting so much out of it. The managers from all the departments, we were super busy doing training. I did the non-clinical training and we had a clinic, clinician who did the clinical training. Um, but he just was never, he never had embraced that model. And so the new VP of HR, um, from the very first day she met me, I went home and I said to my husband at the time, I said, this woman has been charged to disband this. And I know that my job is going to be limited. And it was a living nightmare. 
those five months of working under her. It was sort of like the abused and battered woman syndrome where whatever I would do or say, it was not right. If I went in to talk to her, she would say, this is a communication you really could have put in an email. If I'd email something to her, she would say, you need to be, this is, you know, can you, can we please talk? This, this isn't for email. So it was like, no matter what I did, it was just not good enough, not right. Um, she basically sat across the, the desk from me and said to me in one of our one-on-one -on -one meetings, which I probably had maybe three of them for the whole five months that she was there. She said, you are an ineffective trainer. And I looked at her and I said, well, can you give me some, can you give me something to support that statement? You know, or what can I do to improve that if that's what you think? Are there some, is there some literature? Is there some training I can go for? No, no, I don't really have anything for you. You just aren't a good trainer. And I was like, okay, um, you know, I don't believe that my evaluations reflect that. And I don't know where you're coming up with that sort of conclusion, but I'll try and do better. Mm. And so um, little by little, I was just packing up my office and taking things because I knew it was inevitable that they were going to let me go. And sure enough, they let me go. And one of the things that has always stuck with me um, on the day that she let me go, she said to me, you know, I have to say that in all of our interactions, you are the utmost professional. And I said to her, why would that surprise you? You know, I said, I know that you haven't really taken the time to get to know me, but why would that surprise you? And she said, well, because when I have found myself in situations like you've just been in, um, I haven't behaved the way you have. And I thought to myself, well, I guess that's what this was all about, is for me to give her a lesson on how to behave and professionally and really hold your own um, in, in a very antagonistic business environment. So that was a huge lesson for me that I always share with my clients is above all else, you never, you know, you never go as low as they are you always want to be above the fray and maintain your professionalism. And so here I was never in my life had I been let go of a job, never in my life had I been out of a job. Um, it was just a completely foreign experience for me, which um, I had three months severance and it felt like every day that went by, I was getting closer and closer to not having an income. And it was very unsettling. I was very um, insecure. I was just feeling like, oh my God, I've, I had never experienced anything like that. So I really was, I was applying for positions and jobs and nothing was really ringing true to me or aligning with what I really wanted to do. And I, I, I met with my financial planner and I said to him, not that I have a lot of money to plan with, but he, he was a dear friend of ours who just um, happened to be a financial planner. And he said to me, I said to him, I think I want to launch my own business. And he said, Hilda, you're the primary provider for your family. You don't have any money in savings. Um, you know, it takes a couple of years before business can really take off. And I really am going to, you know, discourage you from doing that. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, okay, you know, duly noted. So I thought to myself, I need to have an income coming in while I launch my business. And an article came out a few days later that my, the town I lived in, which was a small New England town in Connecticut, was looking for a teen center director. And I kept getting, my phone kept blowing up all day saying, Hilda, did you see this? You should apply for this. Oh my God, you'd be a great director of a teen center. And I'm thinking, I've never run a teen center before. I mean, I love teens, I love kids, but seriously, I don't know. So I walked into town hall and the secretary indicated to me that they were getting very close to have hired someone. So they weren't accepting any more applications. But in that, the first selectman, who's like the mayor in these small towns, comes out and introduces himself to me and I'm talking to him and um, I left there and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to send him an email with my resume in it because what do I have to lose, you know? And I did. And two weeks later, I was running that teen center. It was crazy. Uh, once again, I landed a job that I felt like, seriously, there was probably a line a mile long of people with more experience than me and yet they hired me and so that was giving me the steady income while I was launching my business but what happened and, and my business was starting to take off it was um I had been in the healthcare field for now about 50, maybe a little over 12 years or so or 13 years and so my contacts in the, in the healthcare environment were, were bringing me in to do programs for their employees. So I had the business, I started doing it. It was really great. I was running the teen center. I was, um, it was just a crazy time in my life professionally. Um, and so I ended up writing a grant for my business to work with um, students for an earn and learn program that they have here in the summers that's funded through workforce development boards. And I had never written a grant before in my life. I never responded to an RFP and I did it and I got it. And so I became um, this contractor for this workforce development board to do employability skills training for students. And then it expanded into helping, um, healthcare is one of the fields that is in high demand. Mm -hmm. So they were doing a huge push to get people that were not in healthcare certified in healthcare programs in order to be working in healthcare. So they brought me in to get those individuals ready for interviews and all of that. And so this was another wonderful opportunity to, for me and my business kind of started segueing from healthcare and employee engagement to workforce development and employability skills training and all of this high school started bringing me in so that i could do programs for their students i did a lot of work with C-level employees who had been now given a parachute and had nowhere to go, hadn't looked for a job in 30 years, didn't know how to even set up their LinkedIn. So it was really kind of fascinating to see how the business kind of, and that's another, if anyone takes anything away from this interview, and that is that you need to just trust that the journey you're on is going to lead you to the right place. Um, and, and once you allow yourself to trust it, it'll, it'll manifest itself.
um, I'm a huge believer in that. And also when you're doing what you love and what you're meant to do, you know this, I'm sure, you know, it, it works for you. It really does because you're no longer struggling with your desire to do something, um, that really isn't a good fit or you're doing something that's really, you know, inside you is not a good fit for you. And so, um, fast forward 10 years in the business, 10 years running the business, the teen center. And I got a divorce after 30 years of marriage. And I decided that I wanted to live out West among the mountains. I just, I had been on a hot air balloon ride with my daughter in Arizona on a vacation after I got divorced. And I was on this hot air balloon and I said to her, I want, these mountains are speaking to me. Like they're really, this is an unbelievable area and, and whatnot. And so I couldn't figure out how I would be able to leave for just a year, which is what I wanted to do. And so who would be hiring me for just a year? So I applied to be a volunteer for AmeriCorps, which is like the Peace Corps, but it's a national um, Peace Corps, if you want to call it. So you fill out this extensive application, and then you can either search in an area or for an industry that you want to volunteer for, or employers find you. And within a week, a, a community action agency in Washington, in the state of Washington, reached out to me to see if I wanted to be a training coordinator for them in their organization, which served the homeless. So I packed up, I moved to Seattle, it's, it was an hour north of Seattle, um, and I didn't have a place to stay when I moved out there because they don't help you with housing, AmeriCorps. Um, but I had some, I didn't know a soul there, but through my networking, I, I was making my way into like a community and I ended up getting like a beautiful place to live. And I served as a volunteer um, for this organization for a year on $800 a month stipend which they give you mm -hmm. and um it was the most incredible experience that six months into the the experience i said to my daughter i think i want to stay here and she looked she, she on the phone she was like mom that wasn't the deal you're, you're supposed to come back here and i was like honey I'm, i will come back i'm just not ready to come back and so i stayed out there after my year of service again i was in this very anxious state thinking like, if I don't get a job, I should probably move out east because if I'm going to be unemployed here, I might as well be unemployed there, which is where I'm going to land, you know, in the end. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, within a month of my year of service being over and no job opportunities opening up for me, I saw an advertisement in a newspaper's classified ads. Who even looks at classified ads in a newspaper anymore? And I saw that they were looking for a trainer for a community bank. I applied for it and I got it. I had been, I knew the president of the bank from a volunteer project that I had been working on in Washington. And so he endorsed me to the HR director. The HR director and I clicked from the first minute I went in for the interview. I got the job and I was there for a year and a half until my daughter told me that she was going to have a baby. 
here in Pittsburgh. She had landed in Pittsburgh with her husband and they were going to have a baby. Well, they were going to start thinking about having, starting a family. And I said, okay, I'm coming out. So um, she told me that in February. In September, I drove across the country with a dear friend and I landed in Pittsburgh without a job, without a lot of contacts other than my son-in-law's family who all lives here and um, my daughter. And then five days after I got here, she told me they were pregnant. So it was like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. This is so exciting. So I, my brother, my oldest brother said to me, um, you know, this is the time that you should really just be looking to settle in with a big company that has a good 401k and some good benefits and just, you know, put your time in for the next several years and, and, and wrap up your career that way. Because uh, at the time I was looking at this nonprofit that was paying very little money. Mm. And um, so that was his advice to me. So I started, I was getting offers to temp, temp positions in big corporations. And I landed in one of the biggest corporations here in Pittsburgh. And from the first day I was there, I loved my boss. But the whole environment, the whole corporate environment was just truly not resonating with me at all. Mm. It felt very insecure, very backstabbish, very um, just, I just didn't feel like it was a good fit. And um, lo and behold, after five months there, I started thinking like to myself, well, I guess I could, I could do this. And I applied for a permanent position there and they made the decision for me. They decided to eliminate my temporary position. So from one day to the next, I didn't have a job with them. And again, I found myself very unsettled and wondering what I was going to do. I went out to some more temp agencies and I got a few more jobs um, with different corporations and um, I just started feeling like I should launch my business. Mm -hmm. And every time I would speak to someone or my coworkers, wherever I was working, they would say to me, you're so inspiring. You know, I get a, like such a great feeling. For, and I kept thinking, this is the universe telling me I have to relaunch inspired learning, which mm -hmm. is my business. And so, um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I was working in a temporary, um, as a temporary employee in an agency, an organization. It was a, it's a big organization in New York, but they have a small call center here in Pittsburgh and they wanted to redo all of their uh, training. So they brought me in to do all of their training and their, the salary was okay. It was a lot less than what I had made, but they were incredibly flexible in terms of my availability and all of that. And um, so I took the position and here it is a year later, they are the organization that is providing me the ability to launch my business. Especially now that we are in quarantine, I'm able to work from home. We launched a remote training program. And again, it, it, when I remember thinking when they offered me the position that the salary was too low. So I kept thinking, I don't think I want to take this. It's not really, it's not really aligning with my experience. I'm worth a lot more than this. But for 
you know, other reasons I decided to take it. And in the end, it's been the best thing I could ever do. So I launched the business in January of this year, inspiredlearningllc.com again. And um, it's been a really exciting journey. And while I work at that temp agency, I really felt like I needed to bring in some other income as well. So I am a barista at Starbucks, which is just like my dream job in the sense that I love working with the customers. It's so much fun. But here's the story here. The interesting thing is that when I was on the interview for Starbucks, the woman was asking me about my business and my job and what I do. And I was telling her the name and that I'm an inspirational speaker and trainer and coach. And she said to me, do you know what the mission statement is of Starbucks? And I said, no. And she said, it's to inspire the human spirit, one person, one neighborhood, one community at a time. I got chills. I thought, this is, I'm in the right place. Like, this is why I'm working for Starbucks because I, they totally align with me. And so it's been just a journey beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, I couldn't, if, if someone would have ever said to me 20 years ago, oh, you're going to be living on your own in Seattle, working for the homeless and trying to help them break their cycle of poverty, I would have said, are you crazy? You must be looking at someone's wrong fortune table here. Like, that's not me. So I think, you know, um, you just have to trust and really go with your gut. Right now, my, my most exciting part of my business is my 1 million inspirations. So my goal is to track 1 million inspirations by the time I'm 100 years old. So um, on my website, well, you can actually go into the number one, you put in the number one millioninspirations.com and you can track whenever you've been inspired and you can also share your story and i just want people to realize that they can they're inspired every day there's there's different levels of inspiration it doesn't have to be the kobe bryant level of inspiration it could be your neighbor next door it could be a beautiful garden that you walk by anything can be of inspiration and, and especially right now i think people are so hungry for it and you want so i want that that website that landing page to really um capture all the inspiration that's going on in the world i mean it's it's, it's fascinating listening to you i love like the the what you're saying about trusting in the journey and the process just leaps out of my laptop at me <laughs> because it's it's as you're talking it you're 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 proof of it and i think and it's been the same for me when since i left the corporate environment and set up the branding man as well you there have been times where i've been working from a huge place of fear and been thinking where have i gone wrong how did i end up here Oh, what did you do this for, Steve? And then actually had a bit of a, just a slap around my own face with my own hand and kind of just gone, but this is what you wanted. And compared to where you were 12 months, two years, five years ago, you're much happier. You might not be earning as much money as you were right now, but 
you're happier, you're realizing what's important in life, you're spending time in the right way. Um, and it's, it's an important part of that. But I, the, the thing I think that um, they'll be interested to unpick with you is that people do struggle with is that trust piece. I know with working with a lot of young people in particular, they don't trust us adults alone. Um, they don't trust in some of their governments around the world that are leading them. They don't trust in, in terms of what we're all sharing an experience of at the moment, whether we want to or not. They don't necessarily trust the, the strategies that are leading us out of that and things. So for, for somebody who's listening and going, well, that's fine. You've lived through it and you are trusting in your life. Maybe, there's a, maybe there is a type of person, I think, as well potentially that is more open to trusting a process but for those that are struggling maybe a little bit mentally with that concept of trust are there any strategies that you've had to use or people that you've met have used to break through that barrier of that's not me if you get one yeah i and i and i want to say that it's not easy to trust mm. it's not easy to trust in the in the process and very often you have situations in your life that really um, quest, question your ability to trust or if you've been in a relationship that ended up being full of distrust you can, can't help but go into your next relationship with some level of you know anxiety or, or mistrust etc but I think what you need is um, If you believe in yourself, and I think that's where the challenge comes in, is that we're so programmed to listen to the outside world. Like, you know, my brother is, I love him dearly, and he was looking out for my best interests when he gave me that level of advice. And I'm sure a ton of people were. My, my one cousin said to me, I can't believe you're leaving without a job. Like, what are you thinking? Um, and I think that, so you hear all of this outside world, and it could even be parents that are very influential in your life, a spouse, a, a dear friend. You just, and, and the, 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 the media, you know, is all about telling you what it is you should and shouldn't be doing. So what you really, the work you really need to do is get to know yourself. Yeah and get to know what you want and and it doesn't i don't want to say it doesn't matter what others say but you are your own driver you know you and and you're going to find 10 people that can say i like admire and love what you're doing i think that's awesome good for you you're so brave and at the same time you can find 10 others that are going to say you are out of your mind you can't do this you know what are you thinking etc so you're always going to be able to find the opposite or the same of what you want and that's why you have to flush those out and come back to what is it that you want to do? Because you're the one that knows you the best. Yeah. And it's scary. It's, it's absolutely scary. And I still at times think to myself, like you, you know, what am I doing? And I went from making this much money 
to, you know, I'm right now I'm not making a lot of money at all, you know, um, and it's, it's pretty scary. Uh, but I'm so confident that in the end, it's going to work out. Um, when this whole um, quarantine started, I, I have health issues where I couldn't work at Starbucks. And so, um, and my company, that temp agency, that call center wasn't doing remote work. They had never done remote work. So I was just out of a job for two days mm -hmm. and they were very sleepless nights that I thought to myself, what have I done? This is insane. If I had stayed with one of those corporate jobs, I probably would have been able to work from home now and et cetera, et cetera. And on so that was Sunday night and Monday night of very sleepless nights and Tuesday I got the call from the call center that said we're going to go remote and we need your help with this and I was like and that's where I've put in 190 hours with them and so you know after 40 hours a week it's time and a half so I've made the most money in the last three weeks than I've ever made and so uh, in of late um and so it's just, you know, and, and, and now they're scaling back to 20 to 40 hours a week. So now again, I'm going to be more in the, you know, I've got to get my business up and going. Yeah. <laughs> I have to make this work. And I just, the other lesson or thing that you have to really, truly learn is patience, which is not something that's my strong suit. I'm neither. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs aren't patient because they have the vision. Yeah. You know what you want it to look like and you just want it to happen. And exactly. so you lose. So, so um, if there's anything I've, I've learned from this is patience and trust. Um, when I was in that one organization where the woman was looking to disband the, the department and was really mean, I like, I knew that I, I, it was just, I was not going to be working there, whether they made the decision or I made the decision. And a lot of people would say to me, you should just quit. And I said to them, I would say to them, well, I can't quit. Um, but I can stay in here long enough to get my severance you know because if i quit i'm not going to get anything but if i don't they're obligated to give me a, I, I i believe they would be obligated to give me an, a severance and they did but that was a very trying sleepless nights again i i almost believe like the more sleepless nights you get the the more that trust and the more the patience starts starts growing within you because <laughs> So that's really what's happening when you're having sleepless nights is you're growing the, the skill set of trust and patience. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Hilda. I've loved hearing your career story and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has done as well. Thank you so much. And I look forward to speaking with you again sometime. Lots of luck with your business. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, Great, thanks. And so everybody that's listening, um, please feel free to leave a review and listen and subscribe in the future as well. And we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.